So we're in the middle of a series, uh, Life in Christ, right? And it's a study of the, um, the book of 1 John. And uh, this book is written to those who have come to know Jesus as Savior, as Lord. And, and it, it tells us a few things, the fact that there was even a letter written. You know, I think that we believe a lie that maybe they believe then too, which is that once you come to know Jesus, everything is just fine. You know, there's places where Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are, are good or worthy or, you know, going to help you. Uh, there's this freedom that we find in Christ, and yet the truth is that as his disciples, we aren't left to our own to kind of just do what we would think would be best. And so this letter of 1 John kind of marks out for us some of the attributes that we should see in our lives if we know Jesus. And that should be the fundamental question of your life is, do you know him? I mean, do you have peace with God? through Jesus, his son. And this book kind of challenges that in us because it says some things that when I read it, I just go, oh, I'm not sure I got that yet. And so I pray that Jesus would keep drawing me nearer to him, that I would truly be his disciple. And uh, I hope that's where you come to that text as well. The truth of this life in Christ, another truth that we find is not only are these markers that we should see, but that the truth is that in Jesus, we ought to be different. You know, it's like I just talked about with the sweetness softball. I mean, we ought to display different behavior and not for the sake of being different, but because there is something in us that is significantly, completely, and fundamentally different than what's in the whole world. That's the gospel of Jesus. There's something in us that's unique, that's special, that's sacred, that's holy, that's pure, that's good, and it's fighting its way from the inside out in our lives. And that's God in us. And so we find in this book that there are some markers in our lives as believers that we don't have to try to force, but that should be manifesting in our life. They should be showing up in our life in places like softball, you know? When things get ugly, Jesus should leak out right? And that's not always what happens, but that's what ought to happen. We ought to see more and more of that. I mentioned we went to Agape, and one of the greatest things, uh, it's called Agape Fest officially, was that there's an atmosphere at Agape Fest that's different, you know? And I know that, like, there's still the same problems. I mean, Greenville isn't like this, you know, heaven on earth. I mean, it's beautiful in some ways, but there are brokenness there. There's failure there. You know, there's the things that shouldn't be happening there, happening there. So it's not this pure, holy, righteous. But the truth is that um, I was so blessed because we were at Agape Fest and one of the conversations I had with actually Nathan, who's not here right now, he's back with the Blast Kids as well. But he, he said, you know, it's crazy, Dad, but it's just different here. I, I love Agape. And it wasn't because of the bands, although they were cool. But the encounter that he was talking about was he was just walking uh, across the uh, grounds toward the bathrooms, actually. And someone said, hey, man, how's it going? And Nathan realized that in his life, that's never a question of pure intent. That in his life in Highland High School, that could be a loaded thing. And so he kind of goes, fine. And he goes, Dad, the guy just really wanted to know how it was going. And you forget that there is a truth that among believers, that we have this spirit of genuineness that is just beautiful and it's disarming. And it's not like the rest of the world. And so that, that kind of reminded me of this book of, of 1 John, how, how we're called to be different in that way and not to manifest, but to be just who we are in Christ. And that's different enough. That's different enough. And so we've been talking over the last few weeks about what that looks like. 
right? About, about some of those markers that we see in our lives as believers in Jesus. And if you're seeing them, you should thank God for them because he's given them to you, like brotherly love. And if you're not seeing them, we should pray about that. We should invite Jesus into those areas of our life. And so today we're going to talk about this, um, this kind of the next part. I'm going to ask you, it's a, the, the title is Continuing in Sin, right? And it's going to be maybe what it looks like for a, a believer to continue to sin. Sin's kind of a crazy, crazy topic, and I, I want to just address a few things as we get started. But I'm going to give you a word picture that, that just kind of came, comes to mind when I think about the, the impurity that we have as humans, you know, the, this thing that we lack if we don't have Jesus. And uh, it comes from a story whenever I was a kid. Um, I was reminded recently, because I forgot I even did this stuff, but when we were kids, we were like, we loved ATVs and motorcycles. Like, we were little guys riding them around, you know, and our favorite thing to do was to go mudding. Anybody go mudding in here? You ever do that when you were little? Yeah, a few of you guys have. And, and mudding, you know, for all the moms, you probably just plug your ears for a minute because the whole idea of going mudding is to get as much mud as you can get everywhere as possible, like as much as you can get. And so we would literally go out with four-wheelers into the creek, and we would just get crazy. And it was dangerous, and it was fun, and it stunk. I've been thinking about guy things lately. You know, guy, guys' things are dirty, and they stink. Have you noticed this thing? You know, if you're a guy, that's just what we, we, I mean, it's not even embarrassing to us. We love it in that way, you know. And so as a young man, you go out and you just go mud and we just through the thing, just and the, the tires are slinging it. And we're laughing and we're rolling around. This is awesome. But there came a moment when we had to go home, right? And um, the first few times we came home from mudding, our, our parents were not sure how to deal with it. But as we did it more and more, um, they began to have this ritual, and it was not good. <laughs> because what it involved was a certain amount of embarrassment and a very cold garden hose. And we didn't always do this in like the summer. We did it like spring and the fall when it was cold out, you know. And my aunt would stand there, at the, and she would like stop, and she'd have the hose, you know. And she was like, all right, get ready. And we'd be like, oh, no. And she'd be like, you know, and I mean, it's like high power. It feels like a fire hose and it's cold. And you're like, ah, and it's blasting. And all you remember is you can't really see you like putting your hand and you can see these chunks of just filth just falling off and big. And then she would say this, all right, take off your coat. And you're like, what? I'm not, you know, there's stuff underneath that coat too, you know? And I kid you not, she would get my cousin and I out there in our underwear. So there was some embarrassment involved here too. You know, you boys are going to make me, I'll tell you what, you're coming in the house clean. You know what I'm saying? And, and we would just stand in, and it would feel, you know, like, I don't know, prison movie or something. <laughs> it's just bad, you know? But it was really cool. And it became this image of me of being purified, of being washed, you know? And the truth is that, you know, we, we still like to go mud. <laughs> but, but not quite as much sometimes because you knew it was coming. She's going to take the hose to you again. And, and I want you to get the image in your mind of all of this filth just falling off, just, just coming off in big clumps and clods of just disgusting stuff that needs to go. And the process wasn't always pleasant for us, but it was necessary to get in the house, right? 
And so th- this is what I kind of view sin as just kind of falling off. I mean, this is how it feels to encounter Jesus. He's like, man, I love you so much and you're going to get in my house, but get ready because here it comes, you know, and you're like, ah, and it falls off of us to the ground. I want to remind you of two things the Bible says about sin, and then we're going to talk about this First John passage. I think it's so important. The first thing that the Bible says is that all have sinned, right? It's in Romans 3.23, and Paul says this, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means no matter how much you feel like you didn't go mudding, right, ladies? I mean, you're dirty. You know what I'm saying? That's what the word says. It says that we are all sinful. We've all fallen short. We all need to be cleaned to get into the house. And so just because you can look and go, man, that guy's really, really nasty, you know, it's, it's, it's true for everybody. Romans 3.23 says it. So the first thing I want you to know, the biblical confession of sin is that everyone has done it. There's no one that's without sin except Jesus. Nobody. And so in this place of, of truth, we can, we can admit that about ourselves, that we have sinned before the God who loves us. And then the second truth that the word teaches about sin is this, that Jesus died. Jesus died to remove it. I mean, he gave his life to make us pure. He gave his life to make us clean. In John 3.16, we talked about it last week. It's one of the most famous verses of scripture. It says that God loved you so much that he gave Jesus to die so that you could be clean and get into the house. And so the two things I want you to remember as we get into the word this morning is that everyone has sinned. That's me, that's you, that's your neighbor, that's that person that you think is so perfect and righteous and holy. They've all sinned, the word says, and that Jesus died to remove the sins from all of us, which is a gr- good news for us indeed. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and we're going to open the word today together and see what God has to say. Father, this morning, I just give you praise and glory for the word that you've just poured out, the scripture that you've given us that we too often, we confess that we let it sit unread, uningested, and unlived. I pray, Lord, today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would have your way in hearts and minds. You know, we, we confess today, Lord, that we are broken, that we're flawed and failed in so many ways, that our hearts are heart and our ears are plugged up. So today, Lord, we ask that you would, through the work of your mighty mercy, that you would soften hearts and open ears to the truth of the great message we have in Jesus. And and today, Lord, I pray that uh, you would teach us through your scripture, you would teach us through your spirit, you would teach us through your people, that we could glorify you more fully, we could grow closer to you as your children. We love you and thank you for your word and for this time and for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to have you open your Bibles. If you didn't bring one, you can use one of ours. It's 1 John today, chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. It's 845 on ours. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one off the chairs at the end. I'm just going to kind of read through here and just talk about uh, this text because it, it kind of turns, you remember last week we talked about being children of God, being adopted by, by God himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what it says around the heels of this truth about being children of God. It says in verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Now, I talked about sin already a little bit, how it kind of is that dirty, icky stuff, but it just means you're missing the mark. It means you're not perfect. It means you need help, right? And it actually says that if you, everyone who sins has broken the law or breaks the law, right? In fact, sin in itself is lawlessness. It's, it's absolute lack of any structure or rules from God. 
That is sin defined. And then look at verse 5. It says, but you know that he appeared. This is Jesus, by the way. And you can go back and look if you don't believe that. But it says, you know that Jesus appeared so that Jesus might take away our sins. That's verse 5. And in him, that's Jesus, is no sin at all. So here comes the Son of God, the Most High God, the pure God. His only begotten Son comes to take away our sins. In verse 6, read it with me. Now, no one who lives in him, those words can get hard for us, fellas and, and ladies, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin, listen to what it says, has either seen him or known him. Right? So here's the word about sin. It says that he appeared to take it away, and it says that no one who knows Jesus keeps on sinning. Now, this can be a really hard text because you go, oh boy. Right. You know, we just said we're all sinners. And we just said we don't have it all together yet. And then the word says, no one who knows him, who lives in him, keeps on sinning. And then it says, if you continue to sin, you've neither seen him nor known him. That's the kind of text that gives me pause. You know? I say, what? What does that mean? No one who sins knows God? It's not what the word says. It says, no one who lives in him, look at what it says, keeps on sinning, continually sinning, repeatedly sinning. And you know, we all fall short. And even now, God will help us through something and then we'll, we'll mess up. But the truth is that there's something that God has in us, we'll talk about it in a minute, that actually begins this new cycle of not continually sinning, Right? One of the things that I realized before I became a believer in Jesus is that I didn't even know how much of a sinner I was. I mean, whenever I would go out and sin in the world, I was oblivious to the fact that it was offensive to God. I had no awareness that God, you know, was unpleased with this. And it was just like a pig in a slop, right? It was just like, it was just like this repeated cycle of brokenness and hurt and anger and disappointment and loss, and pretending, and garbage, and I would just live in it, and slop in it every week, and that's how we find ourselves sometimes. Before Jesus, that's how we always find ourselves. It says, no one who lives in him continually sins, keeps on sinning. And then it says, if you do, if you find yourself just repeatedly, and continually, and profusely, in the same way, with no conviction, it's, the word says, you, you've never neither seen him, nor known him. I want to kind of draw a line here because we, we talked already about knowing Jesus and how it changes everything, but I want you to know that this book isn't a book of rules. This isn't saying, do your best to target, you know that sin that you keep repeating in your life? You, you just get your crosshairs on, you just defeat it with everything that's in you. That's not what it says because that's, that's the law that we can't keep. It says, no one who continues in sin has either seen him or known him, but if you see that, that's a sign to you. That's, that's a reason to stop and go, wait a minute. What's happening in this area of my life? And that's how that should work for us. I want you to see this doubly negative there. If you live in him, you don't do it. And if you find yourself doing it, you don't know him or see him. That's what the word says to us. 
I want to read on in verse 7. We're going to come back and we're going to touch a few of those things again. But listen to what it says. Dear children, that's the same word as technon, right? It's like little kids. Dear young people in Jesus is what he's saying to these new believers, right, that we are in Christ. He says, dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray, right? He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. And he who does what is sinful, now here's what we talked about last week, is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay? The word devil here, there's a few words that's used. We talked about antichrist, was it last week or week before? And and then here's the word devil. Those are different words in the text. We kind of make them all one thing in our head, you know, kind of, they're, they're a little different. But the devil, the word devil here means diablos, right? Actually, that's a pretty familiar word now in our, in our society. Oh, diablo, we know what that means. You know, the devil, right? The diablos. The diablos is just a deceiver, He's just a, a not truth teller. Matter of fact, he can't tell the truth. It's not in him. It's not possible. And it says, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. So if you see these things in your life, it's righteousness being manifest in your life. And when you don't see these things, it's not. It's unrighteousness. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. He who does what is sinful, look what it says, is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. If you want the case study in the worst sinner of all time, it would be the hopelessly lost, the diablos, the deceiver, the one that is lost in himself and his sin. The, The spark that I want you to cling to today is the spark of conviction in your life. No matter where you are, I said before, before you know Jesus, you had no hope of salvation or any peace with God. I want you to cling to the spark in your soul that knows, because the truth is that we all have an inkling. As much as I said before, there was no conviction. There was a little, it was just buried in there. This conviction that God was giving me, that things weren't right. Because he who does what is sinful is of the devil. The devil's been sinning from the beginning. That's this repeated process, bathing, living, and dwelling in sinfulness. And that's where he lives. The word goes on to say, the reason that the Son of God appeared, right, came to be, was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he came. No one who was born of God, we talked about it last week, will continue in sin. That's the same idea there, continually sin. Because, listen, God's seed remains in you. Look at what it says. I want you to own this today for your life. He cannot, he cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. It's something that God gives to us. It just lives in us, and it just compels us to stop. It compels us to let it go. It compels us to be different. And, and it's not something that we choose, again, by our own uh, efforts or works. It's the work of God in our lives, the seed. I love the word says there that he cannot, it's not possible from continually sin to continually live in that place if you know Jesus, if you've been born of God. Says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So there's a couple of things that they were talking about here, and this is going to become the theme. The major theme of 1 John is loving one another. It's a sign of your 
faith. It's a sign of your new birth in Jesus Christ. Not one that you fake and pretend to love each other, but really loving one another. Letting that come out of you from God is what 1 John begins to settle in on, this issue of loving our brothers. But it says, anyone who does not do what is right is not of God. And that's a scary thing because, you know, if you're like me, there's a lot of stuff you do and it's wrong, you know. And so we go back to the word, and I, and I hope that you do. And I hope you're not afraid of that. I hope you're honest enough with your relationship with the God who made you. And it don't have to be here, because this is a tough place if you're really honest. You know, because you think, man, if, if I told the truth here, you all wouldn't love me anymore. We can believe that about each other. So I'm going to invite you to go before the God who made you and be honest about that. If there's areas in your life that you say, Lord, that's not true for me right now there. I, I'm not doing what's right there. I'm not sure why I'm not doing that. I love you and I know you. Why aren't, why aren't I doing that differently? And let him speak to you. Let him bring in the healing. And let him, what does it say? Destroy the work of the devil in your life. Let Jesus do that for you. And if you find that you're not loving someone well, if you're not loving a brother or sister well, that's, that's, a, cause for, that's a cause for notice, but not panic. It's a cause to turn to Jesus again and say, Jesus, help me with this. I'm really having a hard time. I'm not sure where to go at this point. That's an invitation. See, that sounds bad, right? It sounds like it's not progress, you know? It sounds like that's being, going backward. The truth is it's going forward because you're growing as a disciple of Jesus. You're learning to lean more upon him and his truth and his way and his love and his life. And that's a great place to be. You know, I asked earlier, I said, what does it look like for a Christian to continue in sin, to continually sin? And you know what it looks like? It doesn't look like Christian at all, you know. It, it looks broken. It looks ugly. The truth is that as believers, we should have the opposite cycle going. You know, no one should have to come up. I mean, uh, brothers and sisters can hold us to account and say, you know, what's that about? I need you for that. We need each other for that. And I would say to you, from me, if you see things in me, come up to me and say, Bill, what's going on? And I might do like that water hose thing, you know, where I'm like, ah, stop, you know. But man, if you come with a pure heart to me like that, I will be so blessed. And I promise you, I'll go and pray and I will just seek God on that and say, yes, Lord, I want to be right here. I want to be pure there. And I hope that you can do it with each other. You know, and even the Greenville guys, right? Like you're here with us, but you know, you live together in a really small area. <laughs> Use that for the glory of God. Use that for your discipleship. It's happening right now, right here. So the truth is that what it should look like for a Christian to continue in sin is it shouldn't. Now, I'm not saying that Christians are going to be sinless. So it's kind of weird because I feel like I'm like double speaking here. But we're never going to be without sin until we're pure in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Until he has done his work in us, we will never be fully, holy, righteous. And even then, it says in the day of judgment, we'll stand there covered in, our, in the blood of Jesus, right? Covered in the robe of Christ. Covered when God looks at us, he will see his son on the cross and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You can enter through the narrow gate, the gate that was only big enough for one guy. So, so I don't want you to think that we're saying that Christians are going to be these, you know, oh, 
heart, right? But I want you to say that if, if you are finding yourself going back to that same hole, that same slop every time, you know, and, and, and you know it's kind of bad because you know like, man, this is going to be bad. But you just go ahead and get in it again, you know? I, we talked about it before in here. I'll, I'll share one more thing and I'm going to ask two questions and we're going to wrap up. But we, we said... Um, Sin, a definition of sin is that anything that's awesome in the moment and you regret almost immediately or a day or two or later, you know, and the gifts of God is something that's great in the moment and you celebrate it. You know what I mean? There's a purity in the gifts of God that aren't available in sinfulness. That's the lie. The Diablos, the great liar, he'll be like, this is good, this is good, enjoy it. And you will love it in the moment. You'll be like, yeah, I was made for this. And then later, you'll just be like, oh, I feel gross. See, that's sin. That's deception, right? But the things that are good and pure and right and holy, they're awesome, and then they're awesomer, <laughs> You know, they just get better and better. And you can go, that was so cool. And it's still so cool. And I'm so glad I got to do that with you, God, because you're awesome. This becomes the place that we live. So I want to ask you two questions, right? And these are really serious questions because you can fake me out and everybody else out. But these are questions for you. And no one's going to know the answer but you. And the first, and it's on the back of your engagement sheet there. I hope you got one this morning. But the first question is this, where do I keep failing? You know, and I don't mean just like, you know, we're going to say this general thing of like, yes, we're all sinners. Uh, Romans 3.23, that's true. We should confess that. And if we don't confess that, that's another sin, you know, that we think we're holy and pure and righteous. But I wanted you to reflect on this question of where are those areas that you keep going back to that nasty stuff. You just keep getting sucked back into it. You know? And you know it's bad because when you get out of it, you're like, oh, I feel so clean. Oh, it's gone, finally. And then, you know, some time goes by and you're just like looking at it and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that again. You know what I mean? What are those areas in your life where you continually fail? I'll give you an example for believers, right? This book is written to those who know Jesus as Savior. If you ever find yourself praying this prayer, I'm going to say it's a red light on your dashboard of life. Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I, I only know that prayer because I've said that prayer before, right? Lord, just, just, just get ready with some forgiveness because it's coming. This is going to be ugly. I'm going to do it. I want to tell you two things that that prayer con confesses about you. The first is this, that that spark in you, you know it's wrong already. You already know it's wrong. You're actually saying that to God. God, I'm going to need some forgiveness in a minute because this is going to be bad and I'm going to do it and you're going to need to forgive me again. The first thing you're saying is that I know it's wrong. That God has already given you enough information to know that you ought not do it. Right? The book of James says that these, these sins that come full-blown and lead to death start with a little desire in our heart. And we just go, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And instead of saying that to God there, like, Lord, you're going to forgive me in a second here, you can just thwart it. Because you've already got the conviction of God on you that it's not right. It's not pure. It's not holy. And it's not him. That becomes accessible in that moment. You can defeat it through his power. So you already know what you're about to do is wrong. And the second thing is that 
if you say that prayer, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do, right? That you're already confessing you're going to do it. You know what I mean? You've already said, I know it's wrong, and I'm going to do it anyway, you know? And that's a terrible thing to say to the God who has loved you enough to give you Jesus and put a spirit in you that will overcome the world and yet you choose to sin. So I'm going to say, if you see, if you feel that prayer, you know, Lord, you're going to have to forgive me here. I want you to see it as a warning light in your life. I shared earlier that, that these things are doubly exclusive, right? That if you, if you continually sin, if you keep going back to that same nastiness, that you're not living in God, and that it even says that you don't even know him or see him properly. So I would ask you to be praying about that if that's it. And I'm actually going to ask us right now, because I don't know what that is for you. So we're going to go before God and just ask him what it is. In your heart, not aloud, in your heart, I'm going to ask with you. Let's pray to God right now. Father God, you know, we, we stand and we read your word about how if we continually sin, if we just keep going back to it, that we don't know you or see you. So Lord, this morning I ask that the power of your spirit, you would reveal to us those areas of our lives where we're continually failing. And you know, we give you thanks for the, even the recognition in our heart. We pray that you would, if we can't think of it, we're like, well, we're good. Pray that you would bring that stuff to mind for us, Lord. That we could grow in you. That we could bring it to you and trust you with it. We love you and we thank you, Lord. That's our prayer today. Reveal that stuff. Reveal those ways we continually fail. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The second question I want to ask you is this, because this is on the heels of that, because that's a hard prayer to pray. Because if you were left in that place, I'll just be reminded of the ways you constantly fail and screw up. Man, you can just, this is a depressing place to be. Second question is this, how can I stop, right? How can I stop? <clears throat> I want to remind you in verse 5 this week, right? It says, but you know as a believer in Jesus that he appeared that he might take away our sins, that he might remove them from us, that he might remove us from them, and that we'd be forever separated from sinfulness and those sins that we keep going back to. And so the truth is that how can you stop is Jesus. That's how you stop. That guilty pleasure, that thing that you know ain't right, you keep going back to, the way you stop is Jesus Christ. And there's no other thing. Anything else is going to be fake and not real, and it's not going to stick, and it's not going to matter. And the truth is, it's going to be an eternal consequence. Because you'll be like, I thought I was doing okay with that, but I never was. Verse 5 says that Jesus appeared to take away our sin to remove it. Even more than that, in verse, I think it's later in 8, it says this, the Son of God, that's Jesus Christ, Jesus on the cross, he showed up on earth to destroy the work of the deceiver. Right? So not only do we have the truth that Jesus came to remove our sin and our sinfulness, right? But we have the truth that Jesus came here to completely destroy, demolish, and erase, and evaporate all the work of the deceiver in our life. 
And that's why he came. And so the truth is that the only way that we can have this, this um, success, this victory over the repeated sin in our life is with Jesus. That's the only way. There's nothing else. And he came to do it. He came to do it. I'm going to invite you to pray one more time with me, and we're going to respond in worship, but I really want you to go with me before God because, you know, I don't know how you are, but the stuff that God brought to my heart, my mind, it's not good. It's not good. Pray with me, if you will. Father God, we give you praise and glory for the working of your spirit in us. And we pray, Lord, today that all that junk that just came up, all that stuff that we go, oh, nobody knows that's not good. I pray, Lord, that today you work there. You know, we claim what your word says, that you came to destroy it, to remove it and to wipe it out. I pray that we're not, you know, kind of so accepting of our sin that we would stand before you all dirty and say we're clean. Today, Lord, we bring those places to you. And, you know, not just today, but this week, out in real life where real things happen. We pray that there, Lord, you'll be washing us. You'll be purifying us from all unrighteousness. You'll be preparing us for the banquet and your kingdom. That we might have pure hearts and pure minds, pure spirits with you. You are so good to us. We love you and we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your cleansing, Lord. Thank you, Father. We pray these things so, so much in the righteous name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen.